0: shelter, peaceful, calm, and warm. This is my sweet Redeemer, shelter, guide, and friend. This is my sweet Redeemer, comfort when I'm faced with woe. My shield to keep me from the darts that Satan wields at ransomed hearts. This is my my sweet Redeemer, Redeemer, shelter, guide, and friend. This is my Sweet Redeemer, loving without end. My glory when I face defeat, my glory when in victory seat, my strength. My above the storm this is my sweet redeemer shelter guide and friend this is my sweet redeemer loving without end this is my sweet
1: Sweet Redeemer. It's a sweet song. Churches, uh, you know, have different different flavors of music, and I've been to a lot of different churches, and, and uh, uh, you know, God leads different churches in different ways. But I, I like when there's just clarity in the in the music, and I've always I, I found you know that generally speaking, the piano is is like the perfect accompaniment to to clarity for music. I like I like the piano uh, for for a compliment. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Bible has other instruments, and you can use other instruments, and, and, uh, and God, uh, you know, God's a musical God. But uh, just a clear message. It's, it's a very refreshing thing. So thank you for that. Um, I just wanted to, to mention again, as far as inviting somebody to the, uh, you know, a, a veteran that you might know. Um, that'll be, it's a Wednesday evening. And, uh, you know, we'll, we try to make, uh, you know, things like that, that so they're after work uh, as well. But it'll probably be about 6.30 that evening that we'll be, we'll be eating, 6 or 6.30. And uh, so just be praying about that. Uh, pray that, that God will lead you to, you know, one, maybe one person in particular that you could invite uh, to that. And uh, we'll, we'll make them feel welcome for sure. All right. Uh, so Genesis. Oh, and, and, and uh, yeah, I keep I keep thinking about this. Uh, we'll make a flyer up for that. Because I, I think it's sometimes it's helpful if you can hand some, somebody something and say, hey, here's an invitation for you. So we'll make a flyer for that, and we'll have that available next week uh, to, to give out. Okay? All right. Uh, Genesis chapter 39, this is uh, this is Joseph's message uh, number five. Number five. And... Uh, the first message we looked at was God functioning amidst, amidst the dysfunctional. That was very encouraging to me because as human beings, a lot of times we come up with some, with some pretty dysfunctional situations, whether it be in family settings or otherwise. And to know that God is still working, you know, God is still functioning amidst the dysfunctional is, is one of the, the powerful messages that we see in the life of Joseph and his family. And then we looked at Joseph from pampered boy to the pit of breaking, from pampered boy to the pit of breaking, and just seeing there how... And it's inevitable. I mean, when it's, it's the immaturity of youth. And, uh, and we all need to go through that process where God works in us to bring about a realization of the fact that, that, you know, it's not all about me. And immaturity keeps us in that place where it's all about me. But when God breaks us of that, we can, we can become a cause of something that's bigger than ourselves. And Joseph uh, certainly experienced that. And, uh, and then we saw Joseph from the pit of breaking to prosperous beginnings. And when we, when we surrender to the Lord, it's going to be a very liberating thing in our lives, and we're going to see God use that. He's going to give us victory over some things. We're going to see uh, you know, that we're taking steps in the Christian life, and that God is with us. And you know, to just experience that presence of the Lord in our life, that's the sweetest thing that there is in life. You know, When you're at that point where you know you're walking with God, that's the good place in life. That's where you know you found that sweet spot in life right there. And, and, and Joseph, uh, it says repeatedly at the beginning of, of chapter 39 here, even when he came down to, to Egypt, that the Lord was with him. And the Lord prospered him. And so we looked at that message there. And then we looked at the last week, just the warning. From prosperous beginnings, you can know that if you are doing something for the Lord, the devil is going to try to destroy that. If you have a testimony for God, uh, the devil is going to try to mar that and to hinder that. And, uh, and, and to undermine that. And so we saw from prosperous beginnings to promiscuous beckonings. And whenever, you know, the devil knows what's going what's gonna to get your attention. And to, to try to get you off of that, that trail. Get you into one ditch or the other. He doesn't care. You know, if you're walking with God, he doesn't care if you get into this ditch or that ditch. Uh, but he doesn't want you to, to, to continue with that testimony. And so we saw that he went after Joseph. He tried to, to, uh, to, to mess up that whole operation what God was, was doing in his life. But Joseph got a victory there, didn't he? And that was a wonderful uh, message to see. Very, very encouraging along with the warning. So today we're going to look at uh, the fifth message. From promiscuous beckonings to, print, to prison banishment. And I say, man, you, you must have worked really hard on these titles. You know, for me to come up with alliteration, yeah, I spent way, way too much time. I spent way too much time on it, I admit but, I, you know, when it comes to titles, you don't want the, 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 the message to get lost in the title. And so when we talk about those promiscuous beckonings from last week, basically what we had there is, is Joseph was victorious in that. He made the right decision. He did the right thing. But then when he did the right thing, he still ended up being banished to prison. That's what the title is there. From promiscuous beckonings to prison uh, banishment. And uh, so uh, from this title, this title reflects from the the, the scriptural narrative that Joseph refused the temptation, but he still went to prison. Anything think about that. Because there's been times in your life, there's been times in your life where you tried to do the right thing, and humanly speaking, things didn't work out well. It's like, you know, God, I, I did what was right. Are you kidding me? This is the way it's going to work out? I mean, I honored you, and this is the way I get honored? I, I You know, for Joseph, I get thrown in prison for it. And, uh, well, what we call that, you know, in the human level, we, we see injustice, right? Now, God's a just God. But see, the thing of it is, God sees the whole, he sees the whole story of our life already having, having uh, finished. He sees the whole book, you know, introduction and conclusion. He's not like us. He's not living in the moment. You're living in the moment. And you were living in that moment. And so in that moment, where momentarily it looked like bad things were happening to you, even though you had done what's right, you look at that as being injustice. <laughs> You would call that injustice. That is not just. But it seems as though what Joseph was able to do is just simplify things in his life, simplify them, to continue to trust God, no matter what. Continue to trust Him. And uh, you know, I, 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 probably two times that I can think of. And one was, I. Just that feeling of almost being banished where where i sought to do the right thing for as much as i knew how and in good conscience fully before the lord i tried to do exactly what he wanted me to do scripturally in a situation and i got blackballed and banished because of it by christians (laughs) and i remember thinking at the time like wow i don't think this is the way it's supposed to work but then God reminding me, I am at work. I am at work, and uh, there was you know I get I guess I would look at it and I would say it wasn't fair. I mean there were some people that were patted on the back and promoted that I knew things, <laughs> and then I'm not you know I'm not saying I'm perfect or I deserved anything, but I knew that I was trying to do right in that situation, and yet I was I was I was banished, and so you're gonna go through times like that. And that's where it's so helpful to have these stories in the Bible. These are real life people. You know, we can identify with these people. We can see what they went through. We can say, you know, there was a human being that they didn't know what was happening ahead of time here. He didn't know what was going to go on here as far as him being promoted eventually. Far above what he could ever have imagined. Way beyond anything that he had in Potiphar's house even. Even though he'd gotten some promotions there as well. He couldn't see that all this was going to happen. He just had to trust in the moment. Even though things looked pretty grim that still God had a plan. So let's uh, let's ask uh, the Lord to help us with these with truths this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd help me now to communicate in a very clear fashion and in a very biblical fashion so that it might be of maximum help to us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the one thing that that uh, that I'll say because, you know, it's going to seem like a, a, a pretty pessimistic story here. I'll say this right off. That even though Joseph was in prison he was free he was free you know there's some people that are free but they're in bondage like their whole life I mean they're free in the sense of the, the fact that they're not being in prison they're not in jail but yet they're in bondage to all kinds of stuff they're in bondage to their heart uh, uh, of, of you know, never really being surrendered to the Lord they're in bondage to bitterness to anger to, to, to a past that they won't let go to an identity they, they shouldn't hold on to because they can be something else fully in Christ Jesus. And so they're free, but they're in prison, as it were. Now, Joseph was literally in prison, but yet you see in him a freedom, a remarkable freedom. People might point to this story and just reading it and say, you know, the injustice of it all. And sometimes in our life we're going to feel like that the injustice of it all. This isn't fair. But as Christians, why are we surprised when there's injustice, per se? We should really be surprised if there's not. The reason why we're surprised is because, this is the bottom line, we're we're carnally minded. That's the reason why we're, we're surprised. Because carnality is most concerned with my present comfort. Okay? And so when we're honed in on what I deserve or what my present comfort should be, and that is shattered then what we're going to come back to is that there's injustice and I don't know how to handle it. There's injustice and I'm frustrated. There's injustice and I'm angry. There's injustice and, I, and I'm getting bitter from it. There's injustice and I want to lash out because of it. And so to be carnally minded will make us disillusioned about what God might be doing in our lives, what He's allowed. And uh, we'll be disillusioned with the immediate returns uh, of, of hardship, uh, even when we're trying to do what's right. But listen to what Jesus said to us. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you. You know when people persecute you, when you're living for the Lord, that on the human level, that's, that's an injustice, right? I mean, you're trying to do right, you're trying to stand for God, and you get persecuted for it. People would call that injustice, right? So, but, but Jesus says, blessed are ye when men shall not treat you justly, as it were, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. Now, if they're, if they're accusing you accurately, then we we'll probably make, need to make some changes, right? But if they're accusing you falsely, the Bible says, look, you know, that there's a special blessing in that. How many of you would say, I've never in my whole life been accused falsely? Never. No one? It's unbelievable. No one in here has never been accused falsely. Wow. Well, that's not a surprise, is it? <laughs> because we've all been accused falsely. Okay? So, when you are accused falsely, just remember that the Bible says it's going to happen and, and actually there's, there's a blessing to be had there. A, because Jesus said... Blessed are you men shall revile you and persecute and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. You're identifying with Jesus. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now look at the twofold blessing there. A, you're identifying with Jesus who was accused falsely. When you identify with him and you're accused falsely, you just say, okay, you know, Jesus went through that too. And then also think of this. Many people who have served God before you have gone through that too. And lived to tell about it. And lived to rejoice in the presence of the Lord, even in the midst of it. And, uh, and, and then it goes on to say, that, and it's a very common uh, phrase, ye are the salt of the earth. Okay? And so, what the Bible says is, look, you're supposed to be something different in relation to the earth. You're not an, a normal earthling. You're supposed to be an influence upon them. And you know the way you can be an influence upon them? In the midst of adversity, in the midst of injustice, in the midst of not being treated fairly, in the midst of being falsely accused even, to keep the right spirit, continue to trust me that I want to work through you in the lives of others. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt that lost its savor, how does the salt lose its savor? You get the wrong attitude, right? We lose a vision. We don't simplify our lives. We get way too complicated. We get way too dramatic. Make your life a drama-free zone. And just say, you know, I'm just going to keep walking simply with the Lord. There's a lot of drama going on around me, but I'm not going to fall into that. I am not going to fall into that. I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord. I'm going to do the same today, no matter what's going on, as I'm going to do tomorrow, as I did yesterday. I'm going to try to be salt to this earth, and whatever, however long God has me here, and, uh, and, and trust Him through it. If the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men? In other words, if we don't have a, 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 an influence by being different upon the world, then what good are we for as Christians, really? We've lost our influence. Second Timothy. Chapter 3, verse 12 says this. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer what? Persecution. In other words, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, there will be some injustice that will come your way. So we should be be surprised by it. And by the way, we have have a lot of of Bible that Joseph didn't have. (laughs) Along with that, we have the example of guys like Joseph. And uh, he was living through it at the time. I think about it in the Bible, you know. uh, Who was the good guy, Abel or Cain? It's not a trick question. (laughs) Well, we say Abel, right? But who got killed? (laughs) Cain killed Abel. Wow. Okay, that doesn't seem like it worked out the way it should have, right? Um, Laban dealt treacherously with Jacob. Saul hunted and threw javelins at David. Naboth was slandered by Jezebel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos were accused of having hate motives in their preaching. John the Baptist was beheaded by Herod. Stephen was stoned by the mob. Paul was repeatedly persecuted and imprisoned. And in each one of these situations, you have what looks like a whole lot of injustice going on. But yet the Lord allowed it. The Lord allowed it. And so when injustice comes our way, we shouldn't be surprised. But we look at this whole list. And then we can come to this conclusion on top of it. No one was used more badly than our loving Savior. You know, every one of the people on the list that I just named had sin. They were sinful human beings who probably wronged others at one time or another as well. Jesus never wronged anybody. He was completely, 100% innocent. But yet he suffered great injustice. And because of that, he suffered greater injustice than any other person ever has. Because he was perfect himself. But what did Jesus say? Well, it says in the Bible, it says that for the joy that was set before him, he what? He endured the cross. He endured the greatest injustice of all. He he endured being condemned and killed as a sinner, even though he was innocent. He endured that for the joy that was set before him. Now, we're going to look at, at, uh, before the study is done, uh, Joseph is a type of Jesus. And even even though Joseph couldn't see the fullness of what was going to happen, he had to still, like we have to, for the joy that is set before us. We have to go through what God is allowing us to go through right now. God has a plan for it all. God has a purpose for what he's doing, for what he's preparing us for, for what he's purifying us for. And Jesus set that great example for us. And, uh, you know, God will ultimately always vindicate his own. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So, don't steal from God. You don't have to give vengeance on anybody. If there's vengeance to be had, you just let him take care of it. You let him t- take care of it. And it. Uh, and also, you know, God will vind- vindicate his own, and also God is a debtor to no one. You know, if you think you've given a lot to God, well, you're never going to outgive God. And that which he'll, the way that he'll ultimately bless you, even if you can't see it now, you'll never outgive him. You'll never outgive him. I want to look at a few of the characters in this story here as we uh, pick it up in, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 39. And so I've, I've talked quite a bit here. Let's read what I've talked about, all right? Uh, let's pick it up in verse 11. Genesis 39 verse 11. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house uh, to do his business. He was being faithful in his duties there. And there was none of the men of the house there there within. Now, accountability is a great thing, but accountability isn't always going to be there. And so when accountability isn't there, you still have to do the right choice. And she caught him, Potiphar's wife, by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. Who had? Well, she's talking about her husband, right? He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried uh, with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by, by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master's, uh, master heard the words of his wife which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into a prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. And so that's what we've been talking about. He made the right choice. He didn't sleep with his, his uh, uh, master's wife there. And, and, uh, and he, he got away from that situation. But now he's being slandered and falsely mm-hmm. accused. And so the first thing I want you to see is look at the characters here. I want you to see the character of Potiphar's wife. We touched on this, some of this last week, but let's just think about this a little, little bit further. Potiphar, Potiphar's wife was totally selfish and humanistic to the point where she was willing to lie and destroy other people's lives for her own fleshly agenda. Now, are there people like that in the world today? They're willing to lie, spread a false narrative, continuously bold-faced lies in order to spread their own agenda? You know what that is? That's just that's selfishness, and that's humanism. Because when you boil down humanism, it's you will do whatever you you uh, um, can do in order to protect yourself and protect what you want to do. And so, you know, when people get out from under God's word and they want to justify that and they want to promote that and they want to perpetuate that, what will they do? They'll step on anybody and they'll do anything. They'll lie about it. And they'll slander anybody in order to, get the, to continue to get their own way. And, uh, and Potiphar's wife was a picture of that. Often people who say they care about you Will turn on you on a moment's notice if it doesn't fit their agenda. Oh, I care about you, Joseph. Oh, come spend this time with you, with me. I love you. I want to be with you. But when Joseph stood for truth, all of a sudden she just turned on it, right? And you know that's going to happen from time. Look, you can't depend on people 100%. And sometimes people that said to you, "Hey, look, I'm for you." I'm always here for you. You know, I, I, I care about you. They might be the ones that turn on, on a dime and, and uh, you know, stab you in the back. And it's like David said, wow, I expected that from my enemies, but I didn't expect that from my friend. The one that I walked and, sh- you know, shared with, the one that I sat in the same church building with, the one I tried to help, you know, that's the way. You know, they're going to falsely accuse me or treat me that way. Well, that does happen. That does happen, and when that happens, you know, when someone falsely accused, you need to pray for that person because they're struggling. They're struggling with, with 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 humanism. They're struggling with their own agenda, and uh, and so uh, that was Potiphar's wife. And then the character of Potiphar. The character of Potiphar. You know, Potiphar must have been a very discerning and worldly wise person to rise to the position that he had. You know, to be captain of the guard to be over a lot of other soldiers, you had to be very observant. You had to be pretty shrewd. And Potiphar certainly would have, would have been that. And uh, But you know, the thing about Potiphar, even though he was very gifted, this was his character flaw. He was unwilling to stand up for right if it was inconvenient. In other words, he was a compromiser. Right? Look, Potiphar knew that Daniel didn't do this. Because if Daniel had done that, and he had believed his wife. Did I just say Daniel? Have I been saying Daniel for quite a while now? Oh, okay. You know I'm talking about Joseph, right? Daniel's another great guy, by the way. Uh, but if, if, if Potiphar had known uh, that, that, that Joseph had done this, he would have killed him. He could have killed him himself right there. And his guys would have cleaned it up, and that would have been it. But I'll give you further proof than that. Look down in Genesis chapter 40. After, after uh, uh, Joseph is in prison, it says in verse 4, Genesis 40, verse 4, and the captain of the guard, what was his name? Potiphar. Okay? The captain of the guard, we know that from the beginning of chapter 39, charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued to season in the ward. In other words, once the dust settled a bit, and Joseph was in prison there, Potiphar came to him and said, hey, I'm putting you, kind of like you were in charge of my house, and, and, and you brought a blessing there, and you did a great job, I'm putting you in charge here now. Now, if he if have really believed his wife, that, 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 uh, that Joseph had tried to do that to, to her, you think he would have, no. A, he would have killed him, and, and, and secondly, if he had survived, he definitely wouldn't have, he wouldn't have uh, given him these responsibilities again. But here's the thing, I mean, that's great, like, thank you, Potiphar, but why didn't you stand up for me at the time, Right? Why didn't you say, even if you had to fight that battle, because, you know, sometimes when you stand up for right and you vouch for someone's character, someone else isn't going to be pleased with you. And I'm going to identify with this person because I believe it's right, and I'm going to have their back, but someone else isn't going to be happy with me. And so I just try to compromise that whole situation and keep the peace, right? Instead of really standing up for what's right. Look, if Potter, Potiphar had been a true man of conviction, he would have said no. You're not going to falsely accuse this man. I trust him, and I'm going to hear his story out, and we're going to get to the bottom of this. Instead, it says he became angry and threw Joseph into prison. Well, what do you think he was angry at? If he was angry at Joseph, bye-bye, Joseph. Right? Why put him in prison? I think he was just frustrated. (laughs) I think he was frustrated because he knew that this was a no-win situation. Okay? But sometimes you know that what we need to do in the no win situation, do right anyways. Do right anyways and let God take care of the consequences. Stand up for what's right, even if it isn't convenient. Because here's the thing you're never going to please everybody all the time. If you haven't figured out that little fact of life, you will very quickly. Especially if you're in leadership. You're never going to please everybody all the time, Potiphar. But this is my wife. I know, but it's still what's right. And maybe what would help her the most at this time is for you to work through this, standing for what's right. Do you think he really helped his wife in the long run? I doubt it. He didn't help Joseph. He didn't help his wife. And you know who he didn't help most of all, maybe, is himself. Because remember it said that God was blessing Potiphar's house because of Joseph? He removed that blessing from his house. Look, if you're going to stand by somebody because it's right, there'll be a blessing in that for you. If you kick that to the curb because it's not convenient, then there's going to be a blessing that's lost there. And that's what happened to Potiphar. And then uh, um, of course, the, uh, uh, the character of Joseph, the main character throughout with we'll look at a couple other characters there. Joseph, a man of sterling reputation. He had a great reputation, you you, you saw when we studied it, he had a great reputation in Potiphar's house. But here's the thing, he lost that reputation, didn't he, to a large degree. Look, when someone falsely accuses you, not everyone's going to believe it, and some people will look into it further, but a lot of people won't bother. They'll just figure, hey look, if there was an accusation there, there must have been something to hinge it on. And it might not have been just like that, but I'm sure they did something, right? And so once you throw an accusation about somebody out there, some of that's going to stick to the wall. Not all of it, but if the damage has been done. I mean, just the fact that Joseph was was accused of what he was accused of, you know, his reputation took a hit. But there's one thing that's more important than 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 your reputation, even though your reputation is very important. Your integrity is more important. And the thing about integrity is only God can fully see it. Integrity means wholeness or completeness. And not and no person in the world can see completely what your life is. They see your reputation. And you can put on the dog with your reputation, at least for a while, right? And people can be pretty impressed with your reputation. And you can smooth over your reputation. And maybe Potiphar was more concerned about his reputation. But Daniel said, you know, I'm gonna do what's even if I lose my reputation, and he did, you know, his reputation was, was, was harmed. But yet his integrity was intact. His integrity, that which God could see. And, uh, and that's the wonderful part of, of, of Joseph's testimony here. And so, you know, this was not the first time that, that Joseph had suffered injustice. And through the first occasion, he'd been left alone with God. Because his family rejected him. And he, and he suffered great injustice by those who were supposed to be with him. And at that point, he was left totally with God. And I think at that point, you know, he realized, well, this is really, I mean, me plus God. That takes care of it no matter who else is with me. If God be for me, who can be against me? right? And uh, so um, there may be times we have to choose integrity before God and let him take care of our reputation. Hey, look, there's times when decisions come along. and I'm thinking, oh, man, I think I'm going to have more people that are with me if I do it this way. But then God says, you know, that's not the way I'm telling you to do it. But God, a lot of people are going to just do it. Just do it. Just do what's right and let me take care of it. And uh, you say, well, you know, what if I lose my job? What if I lose my job?
0: Uh,
1: well, Joseph lost his job. And uh, you say, well, you know, that's my way to make a living. Really? Well, that might, be just, that might be human terminology. Because don't we trust God for our living? Now, I'm all for people having a job, right? And uh, the Bible does say work so as to eat. And if God gave you a job, you need to put your heart into it. Just like every job that Joseph had, he put his heart into. But if it comes down to it, you think, if I do what's right here, I may lose my job. Then there shouldn't be any choice for the Christian. Because integrity is more important than that so-called livelihood. Integrity. Integrity. And, uh, you know, sometimes we may have to choose between a job and Jesus. Never hesitate to choose Jesus. You stick with him, you won't regret it. That job's gonna be, you know, long after that factory's closed and and has become a a, a heap of bricks, Jesus is still gonna be on the throne. And all of heaven will support you in that. You know, Americans worship comfort. You know how I know? Because I'm I'm an American. (laughs) And that's my default setting, okay? I'm just like you are. I love being comfortable. Okay? Because comfort is the American what? The American dream. And that's ultimately what it's all about, right? The American dream. That is foremost. The Ameri- that's that's the, the end of it all, right? The, the American dream. But the Christian dream should rise above the American dream. And the Christian dream says this. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then let him take care of all those things. Let him take care of all those things. And Joseph lost his comfort too. And uh, he was one that grew up accustomed to, to, uh, to comfort as well. And uh, he, he lost that. Uh, psalm 105 is an interesting uh, psalm because it talks about some of the history of Israel. And uh, just turn to it because we'll take a quick look at it and we'll come back for a conclusion here. Psalm 105, it says uh, um, in verse 17, I think this is a song, I think it's a song that, 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 that rehearses the history of the Hebrews. It says, He sent a man before them, even, verse 17, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. Then look at this. Whose feet they hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron. <laughs> it tells you right there, part of the experience that, that Joseph went through. In other words, you know, he didn't go into to the prison where, you know, it was pretty much they had a rec hall all day long, played ping pong and, you know, um, watched movies. And, you know, he, he, he was actually put into the iron. He, he was hurt. He was physically discomforted uh, because of it. And then it says in verse 19, Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Until his time came, the word of the Lord tried him. And he was put th- through these things. And uh, if, you see, if you read the rest of that chapter, it would be, it'd be a great message to preach sometime, you know, Psalm 105 in relation to the life of Joseph. Because the rest of that chapter talks about the whole perspective that goes along with this, that, that brings honor to the Lord. And so... Joseph suffered injustices. He suffered unfairness. He lost a lot, but he did not lose everything. Can we we conclude with that thought right there? He lost a lot, but he didn't lose everything. He did not lose his integrity. He did not forfeit a clear conscience. And most of all, he did not lose God's presence in his life. And uh, hold on to that for dear life. Look at verses 20 to 21 in chapter 39. Go back there. Genesis 30, 39 verses 20 to 21. Back to the chapter we started in. Genesis 39 verse 20, it says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. So that goes along with Psalm 105. And he was there in the prison. Now look at this. But the Lord was with Joseph but the Lord was with Joseph now what are you willing to be sold out for in order to forfeit that if you were to say you know I I would be offered this and forfeit my presence with the Lord what would you be willing to, to to put in that blank And uh, as we mentioned, God's continued presence was what Joseph came to to love more than anything. And, uh, you know, the, the, the key verse for the whole study is this. Genesis 50, verse 20. But as for you, you thought it evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as is this day, to save many people alive. And God's big picture plan... Was to use Joseph. Now let's think about this: Is it coming for a landing here? God's big picture plan was to use Joseph to help many other people. God can never use us to help many other people if we've never gotten by uh, past injustices to ourselves. You see, because that's what we'll be coping with. We'll always be seeking to remedy that. We'll always be medicating that. It will never get to the point beyond self-medication to be able to dispense to others. God's plan was for Joseph to learn through these things in a way that would make him the greatest possible influence and testimony he could be to save as many people as possible. And that's his plan for us as well. That's his plan for us. Let's pray.